Well, good morning, Northlands. It is such a, an honor and a privilege for me, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to share God's Word with you this morning. If you're brand new to the community, a special welcome to you. Thanks so much for joining us online. You're catching us at a phenomenal time right now. We are entering into a brand new series that we're calling Anchors for the Soul. Last week, we kicked off with our first message, and Greg, our lead pastor, spoke about the anchor for the soul that we have in hope, that our God is overflowing with hope, and so therefore, naturally, we can also overflow with hope. Uh, our hope for this series really stemmed from actually a, a journal entry that came from, from Greg's journal, and it's something that we've talked about as an eldership team. He, he highlighted that in his message last week. Again, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to part one. It was such an encouraging message, and I really think it will be relevant and helpful for you if you've not heard it during this season. Uh, but, but as we sat as an eldership team, the word that he, he really spoke, it was a sentence out of that journal entry, and he just said, I felt like the Lord said, son, you will not find peace in your circumstances for a little while. And that's where we started coming up with Anchors for the Soul, recognizing that we have been in a storm now for roughly 22 weeks. You heard that correctly, 22 weeks since mid-March. We've been having to navigate through this COVID season and, and its awkwardness and its frustration. And so we recognize that we're in a storm and the Lord is saying this storm is gonna continue for a little while longer. Now here's what we wanna highlight in this series. God is not saying that we cannot have peace in our life. He is saying that our primary generator for peace should never be found in our circumstances. And that's not just in times of, of peace, but also in times of the storm, that our circumstances, they go back and forth like a current, like the water. Uh, when our circumstances are good, it's easy to have peace. But if our peace only sits there, then as so our circumstances go, so does our peace. And so what we want to talk about is where can we find a peace that is rock solid, that is secure, that is unmoving. And that is the promise that the Lord has for us during the season. He wants to show us that we can have peace and hope even while the storm rages for a little while longer. If we could say it this way, and I want you to personalize this as much as you possibly can, just because your circumstances aren't peaceful, it doesn't mean you are surrendering a life that can be peaceful. Filled. We do not have to surrender a life that is filled with peace because of what we see in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16 and 20. This has been a primary text for us for this series, and Greg shared it with us last week. Hebrews 6, verse 16, it says this, and I'm just going to maybe lift my hand uh, every time I, I uh, point to a word that it speaks to security, firmness, clarity, all the things that we are looking for in the middle of a storm. So just listen for those words with me. People swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. Because the Lord God wants to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. To the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of this hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Here's verse 19, a highlight for the series. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We want to look at peace differently through this series. We want to continually highlight the fact that peace is not something that we possess, 
but rather peace is someone that we do life with. God said he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And what that means is his unchanging nature, one of the promises that he makes to us is that he cannot lie and he is unchanging in his ways. He is the God of ultimate hope. He is the God of irrational, unrelenting love. He is the God of peace that surpasses all understanding. And so when he says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, what he is saying is his hope will never leave you. It will never forsake you. Peace, it will never leave you. It will never forsake you. My love, it will never leave you. It will never forsake you. I am the anchor for your soul. Peace is not something we possess. Peace is someone that we do life with. I like how Jesus said it to his followers in John chapter 14, 27. It says this, peace I leave with you, the Holy Spirit. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. That what we were talking about, that circumstantial type of peace, not like the world gives. And here's the promises and the call that he has for us. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There are two things that we are longing for in our souls when we are faced with storms and trials and tribulations of many kind. And I want to go after those two things. The, the message that I want to share, I want it to be focused around helping us find these two things, the things that we are longing for in the middle of the storm. Here's, here's the two things that I know I need in the storm that I've been in for the last 22 weeks. We want security and clarity. Now, I, I want to take a moment just to address these two things and, and speak into them in, in specific detail. Just because as I was preparing this message, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to take a moment and just pause on these things because I think they're significant for us during this time. So um, with as much sincerity and authenticity as I possibly can and empathy, especially as one of the leaders um, who are, who's providing spiritual oversight for this community, I, I just have to say this. It is going to be okay. We are going to get through this. One of the things that helps us find security is having perspective, having the correct and the right perspective. And I don't know if you recall this, but several weeks back, uh, Greg preached a message where he, he used the analogy of a storm. And he said, you know, if you're in the middle of a storm on the ground and you're hearing the wind and you're feeling that wind, you're seeing the lightning and the thunder, uh, you're experiencing the debris flying back and forth. It's confusing. It feels very scary. It's dark. That's one perspective to have. But the God that we serve has a very different perspective. I'm encouraged by the fact that time is irrelevant for God. And that means that even uncertain times, the uncertainty in the time is also irrelevant. It does not hold him at bay. It does not keep him paused. He continually breaks out and fulfills his purpose and will. See, the God that we serve, he holds storms in his hands and he has a hundred thousand foot view over the storms. He's looking at it from space. If you've ever seen the, 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 the eye of a hurricane from a space view, it's actually beautiful and looks peaceful. Very different perspective than when you're actually in the hurricane. And God is inviting us to take that perspective during this season while the storm rages a little while longer. Here's what we need to recognize with perspective and security. We are experiencing a crisis and that is very difficult. We wanna recognize that, I wanna recognize that. I have felt the pain of this storm. I know many of us have felt significant pain during this storm in a thousand different ways. And that is, not, that is not insignificant. But what I want us to look at is the fact that this is not the first or even perhaps the worst crisis that we have ever experienced. And it's not gonna be the last crisis that we've experienced. I, I can recall besides 2020, two significant shaping events for me was our 2008 market crash. In 2001, we know this September 11th, the World Trade Centers came crashing down. At, in 2001, I was, I was a young boy, and I, but I was still very much aware of what was going on. 
I just wasn't a part of the, converse, the adult conversations. Uh, and so for, for me, I, I, I could see the event, but 2008 was very different because not only was I very much aware of what was going on, but I was also a part of the adult conversations. I heard the thing that the grownups were saying because I was a part of the convo. And the things that were being said were, we are never going to recover from this. Life as we know it has ended. The world is crashing down. This might be the very end of it all, especially for the United States of America. And you know what? Has crisis created some lasting impact? Has change come because of those events? Absolutely. But I would argue not just bad change, but also some significant good change has come from these two events. And we've gotten through them. We will get through 2020 Northlands Church. We will get through it. Let us take a perspective that God is inviting us into. We don't want the perspective that the world is inviting us into. We don't want peace, not like the world, but like the peace that Jesus is leaving us in this storm. I like what Greg said. He said, what we believe about the future gives us purpose in the presence present. How I see the future, how I see my future, if it doesn't produce hope in me, if it doesn't produce peace in me, if it doesn't produce faith in me, it's not a future from the Lord. It's not a future that I'm going to choose to believe in. I'm going to respond to the future that He has for us, and the future He has for us, it's going to be okay. And therefore, we operate with that kind of purpose today. It is going to be okay. How do I know this? Because here's the perspective I want us to embrace. The God who holds the storm in one hand is holding me and you in the other. He both holds power and might in the storm that is raging in one hand, but with gentleness and firmness, he is like an anchor that holds us fast and secure during this time. Let's talk about clarity just for a moment, and I want to talk to my people. All right, listen, we are constantly asking during the season, what are we supposed to do? And if you're like me, I'm, I want to talk to my people, my personality. You take a personality assessment and, and you always get that, that word like the perfectionist or the person who has to have things in order. They don't quite say, you know, minor OCD, but it's the person who constantly has the ducks in the row and, and we're, we're not very flexible is how they would describe us. There's black and white. There's a, there's a way that justice should take place and happen. There are rules that you follow. There are routines and disciplines that you embrace. That's how I I live. We don't like the boat to rock, pun intended for anchors for the soul. For me, if you're asking Tyler, can you be spontaneous? I'm like, are you crazy? Of course I can. As long as you give a two-week notice and you put it on the agenda as one of the items, I will be spontaneous. So if you're like that, then this time in this season has been a difficult season. Why? Because every single day seems to be presenting with new challenges, doesn't it? We live in a space where uh, our, our, our circumstances are fluctuating daily from good to bad and ugly. The rules of quarantine are continually changing. The pressures and frustrations are mounting. The routines are completely thrown off and we're faced with difficult decisions and questions every day, like uh, where are we going to send the kids for school this, this semester? What is our plan for work? We have to watch them and work now. Where am I going to find a new job? How am I going to pay this month's bill? And can we just recognize and pause again for a moment? That that kind of decision-making, facing problems on a daily basis, we, we face problems in life all the time without COVID, but during a crisis, it feels like we're continually bombarded with problems that we are, or we are, people are looking to us to make a decision to fix those problems, and we're not sure what to do. This drains us emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. And so I want to help us find security and clarity, peace in the storms. And I want to talk today, part two of our message, we're going to find the anchor of values. 
we find, we find an anchor for the soul in our values. And I'll explain why that is the case. Let's start with just a basic de definition of values. Here's, what, here's, what, here's how I would describe values. Values are fundamental beliefs that guide and motivate our attitude and our actions. They help us to determine who we are and what is most important to us. I wanna read that again. Values are fundamental beliefs that guide and motivate our actions and our attitude. They help us determine who we are and what is most important for us. So again, here, here's the things that I want us to remember today. The, 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 four, the four things, the first two, we are going after security and clarity because we are in a storm and, it, and we feel like the Lord is saying the storm is gonna go for a little while longer. We want security and clarity. And in order to find security and clarity, we want to recognize the internal values that God has called us to have, especially during this time. And the way that we find our values is by these two things, the who and the do. The who and the do. In order to find your values, in order to have values, all you need to worry about is who and do. During storms, storms produce, as I've said this, it produces uncertainty and confusion. That is why we are longing for the security and clarity. Here's my big thought for today. Uh, if you're taking notes, please write this down. This is the single thought that I want us to, to go after today. And I want you to internalize it. I, I purposefully pulled out the we and replaced it with I because I want you to say it for yourself. When I don't have certainty in my external circumstances, I can still have security and clarity through my internal values. I can't always control what's happening around me. I can't always control the circumstances that are going on in my life, but you and I can always choose the kind of people that we are going to be. And the kind of person that you are, are that you're made up of values that you hold dear, the things that are most important to you. When I don't have certainty in my external circumstances, that's where we are, all of us right now, we can still have security and clarity through our internal values. So here's how we find security and clarity through values. Number one, values clarify who we are and if you're a believer, whose we are. And that second part is just as important. Values help clarify who we are and whose we are. Let's look at that question that I talked about when it comes to clarity. When I said, what are we, what are we supposed to do? It's something that we ask ourselves. What should I do when I'm facing a difficult decision in my day? Look at the question itself. What comes first? I. What should I do? Decisions demand that we take action, but before we take an action, let's, let's figure out who we are because that will always determine what we are called to do. If I could, if I could use this analogy, uh, let's say for a moment that in your kitchen, the pipe in the sink bursts. Obviously, when a pipe bursts and you don't know how to fix it, you have to call a plumber. So you, so you call ahead and somebody says, hey, I'm going to come out uh, right away. I should be there around nine o'clock this morning. And right at nine o'clock, the doorbell rings. You open the door. But the guy who's standing in front of you is wearing a uniform, but it's clear that he's not a plumber, he's an electrician. You look behind him and he's got a work van and it's clearly an electric, uh, an electric company. Now let's think about this for a minute. He, he got to the appointment on time. He is a workman. He does have tools. He's even got a work van, except he's not the workman that you need. You don't need electrical work done, you need a plumber. Who you are will determine what you do. If you're an electrician, you're going to do electrical work. If you're a plumber, you're going to do plumbing work. Determine who you are or who you are called to be, and that will begin to dictate the actions that you are called 
to take. Again, we want security, and the best thing that you can do to find security is to not be insecure in your identity. I can't control the circumstances outside of my life right now, but I can control who I determine to be, the who before the do. I love this verse in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 37 to 39. This is a, a, a verse that my parents used to drill values into us, and it starts with identity, and it speaks to the who and the who's we are. And so I just want to read this. And again, listen to the certainty that Paul writes with when it comes to what he's convinced of. It says this, no, in all these things, and to give context, if you read the the first part of that passage, he speaks of our present day suffering and our future glory. So he's talking about the very thing that we're talking about right now. And so he just addresses the different ways that we could potentially suffer in this life. And then after he's done describing that, he says, but, but no, in all these things, we who we are, are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then listen to this statement, for I am convinced. How many leaders have made that promise during the COVID season? Now, what we bring certainty to, it matters, but let's, let's focus on where does Paul find his certainty? It's not in the storm, but listen to it. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul can't make promises to the churches that he's writing to. They were facing significant trials and tribulations while he's writing that letter. And he couldn't make a promise that, don't worry, the Lord will make the storm end soon. He didn't have that kind of certainty. But what was he convinced of? He was convinced in the anchor. He said, I am convinced there is not a depth nor a height, an angel or a demon, any kind of power, nothing that will be able to separate you from the love of God, separate you from this anchor. We find security when we recognize this is who we are called to be. We are more than conquerors, Northlands Church, and conquerors have specific values. Now, number two, values, they help clarify who we are and whose we are. And number two, let's focus on the do, the who and the do, the do. Values clarify what we do. Um, we, we made a commitment as a, as a leadership team during this time. We want to provide as many resources as we can. We want to make sure that we are well fed spiritually, but we also want to not just create resources like these. We also want to point you to resources that we think will help you during this time. And I want to just point to one. I've been listening to uh, the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast uh, for a number of years. And in his first year uh, of creating the podcast, he actually did two episodes, part one and two on values. And they were significant uh, in, in, in their impact for, for my life. And so I would just recommend going to Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. And it's episode five and six. Listen to those values uh, uh, episodes. I think they will help us and they'll speak more into this. But one thing that he said in the episode that, that just really helped shape a lot of the way that I'm seeing myself through this season is he said this, values determine behavior. Values determine behavior. Now, uh, I, I want to maybe put it in the context because when he recorded that, that was like two years ago. So he wasn't bringing it into the context of COVID. I want to bring it into the context of a crisis. And it's helped me in making some of the tough decisions Nicole and I have had to make during the season. In crisis, as I said, when the rules are always changing, circumstances are high pressure, and the answer to the question, question what should I do, is unclear. Values are what make the decisions for you. 
I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted from the decisions. I don't even want Nicole to ask me, uh, hey, what do you want for dinner? I don't want to make one more decision. I'm, I'm continually, as a, as a father, a husband, a leader, a pastor, continually being asked to make tough calls on a daily basis, and it exhausts me mentally and emotionally. And I know that all of us have felt that in some form or fashion, but the good news is, is that values, they make the decisions for you. The moment you say, this is who I am, it immediately starts narrowing down the answers or the solutions to the hard problems that you are facing. Why? Because you cannot violate your conscience. You cannot violate who you are. If I could say it this way, values don't make hard decisions more comfortable, but they do make the decisions clear. Values aren't going to make the hard and tough conversations and the tough decisions more comfortable, but they will make them clear. If you have to go right or left and you're going, hey, we need a decision on this today. If you look at those things and you know your values and you say, okay, if I go right, it violates who I am. If, if you're, one of your values is to be a humble person or a generous person, and you go, I, I've got to make a decision today, left or right, and you say, man, what does generosity require of me in this space? And it clearly makes it that, hey, if you go right, you're, that is not the generous move. Now what happens is that shuts off and you only have a single way forward. Does it make walking down that path to the left any easier? But it does make it clear. If I could say it this way, just to help us get some more emotional energy back, we have a limited amount of energy to spend in this season. So if I could just help us uh, gain some energy back so we don't have to make all these decisions all the time. Here, here's what I would say. If you're familiar with basketball, this will make sense to you. If not, I'm going to explain it a little bit. In basketball, there's two forms of defense. There's zone defense and there's man-to-man coverage. In zone defense, what happens is, is players who are defending, each player has a specific part of the court that is their zone. Anything that happens in that zone is their responsibility to defend. If the ball comes in there, if multiple players come in there, you're just guarding the zone. So anything that happens in your space, you are guarding that space. Man-to-man coverage is different. You're not focusing on anything happening in the zone. You're focused on one person. You go, I'm covering player number three, and that's who I'm staying on. Wherever that player goes, you're focused on that person. This is what values does for us. Think about it for a moment. Your zone right now is filled with a number of problems, some that you just are not going to be able to address in, in, the, in the regular 24 hours of your day. And so you've got all these different problems running around in your zone. Instead of focusing on what's happening in the zone, focus on a man-to-value coverage. I'm not focusing on all the problems. I'm focusing on a few values. There are hundreds of problems right now. When a storm comes, there's a hundred problems that demand your attention. Rather than letting your problems take your attention, let your values take your attention. Let them make the demands on you. Continually asking questions about your values. If it's generosity, if it's kindness, if it's mercy, asking what does mercy require of me? What does humility require of me in this situation right now? Now, I want to keep going with the who and the do, and I just want to give an example for us that's practical so you can see the inner working. So I want to give a quick example, and then I want to close by helping us create our own personal values uh, during this season and for the seasons to come. So here's the example I want to use. I want to take our community, Northlands Church. Obviously, as a leadership team, we've had to navigate through um, new waters. If I can just say this, we don't have all the answers. As leaders, we are just as uncertain in these times as all of us. We are, we are taking in new information we've never had to take in before and make decisions that we've never had to make and do things that we've never done before. So what, what happens for us is when we're faced with new challenges, before we start asking questions about what should we do or what actions should we take, we start with who we are called to be. And it makes it so easy for us as believers because we know 
who we're called to be, right? We're followers of Jesus. We are called to be like Jesus. We're called to uh, uh, obey the commands that he has for us, be like him the way that he was when he walked among us, do what he did. And so it's very clear, this is who we are called to be. In fact, the only requirement that we have here at Northlands for our membership is we have a single requirement, and it's this. Every member should have a vital personal walk with Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord and Savior, and submit to the yoke of his discipleship as laid out in Scripture. This is who we are called to be. We are Jesus followers. We are to be more like him. And so I don't have time to go into all of our values, but there's four significant values that we have. And I'm just going to just read them off to you quickly. And believe me, we have scripture that goes around these. I just don't have the time to go into them. But really, when we ask the question, what did Jesus command? What was Jesus like? And what did Jesus do? These four traits came out continually. And so we've made them the expectations that we have for all of our members and leaders. We at Northlands hold these values among others, but here's four. We are committed to community. We are committed to service, we are committed to generosity, and we are certainly committed to transformation. When we look at the life of Jesus, these values, these traits were all over what he did and who he embodied. He was not just acting in generosity, he demonstrated that he had a spirit of generosity. It was an identity, not just an action. And so these are the things that we do. We are committed to fighting for community and unity during this time. We are going to be the greatest of servants because that's who Jesus was. And we are always looking for uh, transformation through evangelism of those who do not know Jesus. And we are looking for discipleship and transformation, those who are walking with Jesus as, uh, as um, him being our rabbi. So this obviously then leads to us doing and taking action. Now, one of the things that I've learned about values is, again, values help you make the hard decisions. They make them clear. They make the decision for you. It, it makes it easier in some regard. But you know what values also do? Values also make sure that when you ask a question, they make sure that you're asking the right questions. Again, we, are, we have felt the emotional, mental, physical exhaustion of this storm. And so we have limited energy to spare. We want to make sure that where we focus our energy, that limited energy, it's focused in the right place. And the way we do that is by asking the right questions. So the leaders at Northlands have asked a lot of questions. One of them that I know you've asked, that we've certainly asked, is this. When are we going to open the doors of Northlands again? When are we getting back to our normal gatherings here at the building? Now, it's a question that we've asked, and, and I would argue it's one that's needed to be asked. But I would also say that I think it might be the wrong question, or at least we need to reword it. Why? Because as we ask this question, we look at our values. And if we look at our values, is any, are any of the values uh, we need to occupy this building? That's not one of our values. Our value is community. Now you can say, well, Tyler, but occupying the building, gathering on a Sunday, that's community. Absolutely. But that's only one vehicle for getting to our value of community. It's not the only vehicle. And I would argue during the season, it's not the best vehicle at this time. Because during this time, we are committed as a leadership team to do three things. We want to make sure our community is spiritually fed, physically safe, and missionally focused. Spiritually fed, physically safe, and missionally focused. And so we are going after our values for those targets. And so when we look at community and fighting for unity, we go, there's a lot of ways that we can do community. We had an incredible time on August 2nd here, didn't we? The back parking lot, if you were here for our, our worship experience driving, it was amazing and we had connection. That was a way that we could do it and it ensured a better level of safety for that time and we were spiritually fed and we were focusing on our mission and connecting with one another. 
Uh, we're excited for the community groups that are coming up in the fall. It's going to look a little bit different, but we are going after it because we have a value for community. It just means we're going to ask questions that lead us to the value, not towards uh, something that is a part of our routine. A better way to ask the question, when is Northlands opening up the doors? A better question to ask is, how can we facilitate community during COVID? And that's what we've been doing. We've been creating uh, ways for Armory, the drive-in, community groups, and we'll have more ways to do this. Why is this important? Because values help direct our actions. And as we look at our values, it also reveals the heart that God has for us. And so if I look at the values, I want to recognize the fact that it appears that God is far more focused on watching over our hearts and the hearts of those that we're called to reach than he is focused on our doors and when they open. These values would reveal to us that God is far more focused on who we are called to love and to serve more than he is focused on when and where we are going to meet. Values determine our behavior and values make the hard decisions for us during this time. So as we've been asking these questions as an eldership, we have been asking far more of what is Jesus saying and how can we respond to it maturely with the help of the Holy Spirit? That is something that's always been a value for us. And then we've also been asking who has God called us to be as a people during and after the season? These are the questions that we want to ask and it determines our actions. Now, I want to close with this and creating your own who and do because you're going to be faced with a lot of problems uh, in your day on your daily basis. And it appears that the storm is going to continue for a little while longer. So let's start with forming our values. When we, when we want to form our values, it's about the who and the do. So let's talk about who God has called you to be. And I want to use myself as an example. When I look at who God has called me to be, he's called me to be a man. He's called me to be a husband. He's called me to be a father. He's called me to be a friend, a brother, a pastor, a leader. Name all the different hats and the roles that you are called to be. And then ask the question, what does the Bible say about a leader, a pastor, a father, a brother, a friend, a husband? A man. When we look at the scriptures, uh, it, says, it says in Micah 6, verse 8, for, for, for a man, what, is, what does God require of you, O man? It says to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly. These could be potentially your values. Uh, justice could be a value. Mercy could be a value. Kindness, uh, humility could be a value. But I want to watch, watch this, what happens. This is how I've found one of my values. Uh, a husband is called the sacrificial love. So is a father. So is a brother. I like what Proverbs 17 says about a friend. A friend loves at all times, even in the uncertain times, a pastor, a leader. So for me, love is a value that I have found because God is clearly requiring it to be one of my values because he's told me who I am. Once I've determined who I am, it now determines the values that I embrace and those values drive my decision-making. Now, this is so important. You can pick any values. Your value can be fun, not a bad value. It could be, it could be something even, even like sports. It could be a career. It could be money or finances. These, these could be values. Here's what I would just call us to, Northland Church. Make sure that your values have an eternal weight to them, that they are kingdom values. Ask questions like, do my values have an expiration date? If your values aren't going to matter 100 years from now, they're not going to matter when you're on the other side of eternity. If they don't matter out here, I, I just want to just say, don't make them a value here. Don't make them a value in the present day. I, I loved, I had some friends of mine, we were in a, a community group together, get into a community group this fall. We were in a marriage community group and friends of mine, they were talking about how they determined what their values were going to be. And they talked about the roles that they're in, the who they are called to be. But then they had this incredible question that I just wanted to, to lay before you. They asked this question, they have kids. And they said, when the kids leave our house, one day they're gonna leave and we have values in our home, but one day they're gonna leave the house. 
and we ask the question, what would we be disappointed in them if they stopped doing? Meaning, they said, you know, we, we, they're all a part of sports and different extracurricular activities, but if they left our house and they said, you know what, mom, dad, I actually don't want to do that anymore. They said we wouldn't actually be disappointed. If they had this dream of one day being a doctor or, or an architect, and they've been dreaming about this for the entire time that they were in our house, but then they leave, they go to college, and they go, you know what, mom, dad, I actually want to do French philosophy. Like, you know, we, we, we'd be confused, <laughs> but we wouldn't be disappointed. You know what they came to the conclusion of? They said, if, if the kids left our house and they weren't kind people, that would, that would be a bit of a blow for us. And they said that was where we decided kindness was going to be a value in our household. I, I want parents to ask that question. What are the values that you want your kids to embrace as their identity when they leave your house? Make those values plain on your walls. Continually say, this is who we are, kids. And that's how you begin to form the values. Continually say, I can't go without this. I can't, I, love for me is a massive one. Generosity is a massive one. I can't not be those things. And, and here's what I want us to do. When, we, when we've done the work of finding out our values, and I want to leave you with a single question. So, so Monday is going to happen for all of us, and it's going to be presenting a bunch of different problems, significant issues, different things. We're in the middle of a storm. I, I ripped this question off of a leader that I really admire, Andy Stanley. I was in a, in a conference and he was speaking about leadership as one of the values. And he, he just said, uh, I had another leader. He ripped it off from another leader. He just said, this leader asked me, or I asked this leader, he said, he said hey, when you're, when you're confused and you're not what, sure what to do as a leader, what, what do you do? What should you do? And the leader didn't even like look up from his plate because they were having lunch together. He just said, you know, I, I ask, what would a great leader do? And I thought that was a great question. I wanted to rip that off and I wanted to reformat it for our values. Consider your values for a moment. Again, I'll use one of mine, generosity. Consider generosity. When you're faced on Monday with these problems and you're, you're so tired of having to make decisions, people are looking to you for answers and you don't have that kind of certainty. You're not sure uh, what to do next, but you're faced with a problem. Put that problem on the table. When the problem presents itself, you present a value and you say, what would a generous person do? What would a, what would a humble person do? Whatever your values are, consider that and then look at the problems that you're facing and just ask the question, what would a merciful person do? What would a champion of community do? What would, what would a great servant do in this situation? What would somebody whose passion is life transformation, what would we do? Ask this question of yourself and I'm telling you, whatever the answer to the question is, would you have the courage to respond in that way? I believe right now the Lord, and I've said this in, in the previous messages, the Lord is using this time to make us a stronger people. And we are going to have a courage to answer the difficult questions. We are not going to try and figure out all of the world's problems through this. We're not going to try and fix the education system and the, and the government and all the economy, all the different problems that are so mounting. What we're going to do is when we respond to any of those circumstances, we're just simply going to say, this is who I am committed to being. This is who God has made me to be. And then we're going to respond to that question and we're going to answer it and we're going to make the decision with courage to respond. And we're going to go, you know what, what would a generous person do? Then that's what I do. No matter how hard it is. Again, values don't make the decisions more comfortable, but they absolutely make them clear. When I don't have certainty in my external circumstances, I can still have security and clarity through my internal values. Northlands Church, God is anchoring our souls. He has called us to be a set-apart people. We are part of a significant supernatural body. We know who we are called to be. Let us have the boldness and courage to operate from our eternal values and to fight against the external circumstances in our life. Would you pray with me? 
Lord, I thank you so much for this community. I thank you for the work that you are doing in our lives. Lord, continue to watch over us in the storm. We want to recognize that you are holding the storm in your hand, but you are also holding us fast and secure. You will not let go and you will not relent. You are going to see us through this crisis. You are whispering to us, hey, it is going to be okay. I've got this. And more than that, you don't just have the storm, you have us. Lord, I pray right now that we would all take the time to do the homework of just asking, Lord, who have you called me to be? Clarify the values that you want me to embrace, the ones that you want me to pass on to my kids and to my spouse, the values that you want me to, to emanate at work when I'm bumping into people. I want them to feel my values first and foremost. Lord, I pray that we would be a people of deep conviction and courage in this time. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings.